privilege for me to be here with you guys. And your pastor forgot about the offering. I just got so excited about the word. Can you forgive me, right? <laughs> will, the, will the ushers come up at this time, brother? All right. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your kingdom, that it's more than just the rock church. It's more than vision. It's more than faith uh, and hope community church. It's more than one, uh, one, one denomination. It's your kingdom all over the world. Father, I thank you that you would take this offering, that you would expand your kingdom through it. Lord, I thank you for Brother Joe. I pray your anointing, your covering, God, as you continue to speak through him prophetically. God, I thank you for your word. Cut through our hearts, God, and lead us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 How many know it's a joy to give extravagantly to the Lord? Amen. Sometimes our, our flesh, our natural carnal mind doesn't get that, but I tell you, um, when we cheerfully give to the Lord, not only our money, but our life, we receive and we reap more than we could ever imagine. For real, you guys. I want to tell you, man, God blesses those who give. He really does. This is a principle of the kingdom. You know, I'm living in a house right now that I own, that's paid for, that God did. It's just a miracle, you know what I'm saying? And, And it's because I know that I've given my life to the service of his kingdom and, and to the ministry. And, and I don't say that like I'm bragging or anything like that. I just want to testify, man, that when you give, whether it's money or your life, God is faithful. Amen. He does what he says, man. Amen. God is not lack in any way. You know, he's the most brilliant genius ever. He's the richest being ever he doesn't lack in any way he's got enough but he has principles that he works by and giving is one so i urge you guys to give give your life to to his kingdom even in here in this church and to the ministry give your money extravagantly i know times are still crazy and our economy is is weird but i tell you we are not on the earth's economy guys we're going by the economy of god and his kingdom Isn't that right? It's a privilege to be here with you today. It really is. And I want to take a moment to honor Pastor Carlos. You know, um, in the past six years of doing Ember, it's going on six years now, um, this ministry that that I'm a part of has has faced a lot of, um, it's faced a lot of ups and downs. A lot of uh, people and and spirits have stood against it, and it's also received hail and praise. And, uh, you know, during some of the, Tough times, man. I, I've had a friend in Pastor Carlos, even when he really didn't understand the timing, he would send me a message or call and just encourage me. And uh, I want to just honor him because I don't know if you guys understand this, and I'm sure you do, but well, it's easy to forget and it's easy to get complacent and take it for granted when you get familiar week after week that you have a leader that is special. Man, that he cares about the word of God. He cares about guiding you as a flock. And he cares about honoring the presence of the Lord. And that is not happening in every church in this city. Praise God for a man of God that honors his presence. How many know in the Church of America, and I say this humbly before the Lord, we need a radical shift in the church from programs into his presence. And, And you've got a forerunner pastor here that is willing to stand 
against the face of what's going on in the American church with entertainment. Yeah. And stand for the real. Stand for his presence. And you guys are going to reap a harvest from that. Not just a harvest of souls, but a harvest of his presence really inhabiting this, this place when you come and gather. But we're plowing. That's what we're working for here. That's what we're working for in the city. And how many know you don't just receive a harvest as soon as you plant a seed? It takes some time. It takes faith. You have to wait. You have to be faithful and diligent because God is outside of space and he's outside of time. So a year or five years to him is like not anything. Okay, it might seem like a long time to us, but we're planting and we are plowing and we are being faithful. And we know we are going to receive a harvest from the faithful God who is faithful to a thousand generations. That's who God is, man. He's the one who is faithful to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. He says, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart and with all of your soul. That's my heart for a city is to see the church, the ecclesia of God, rise up and be who we're called to be. Not just individual expressions like here, but on a corporate city level. How many know in the New Testament when they spoke of the church, they never spoke of it beneath a city level? Do you hear me? It was the church of Galatia, the church of Corinth, the church of Ephesus, the church of Toledo. Okay, there was house churches and different expressions and those are all good. But guys, we are part of a bigger story and it's even bigger than the church of Toledo or the church of America. We're talking about even bigger than the church of the earth. We are talking about the kingdom of God. This is something different. Okay, let me tell you today that the kingdom is a lot different than we think. We got to get our whole world and our paradigm just shifted and rocked. The church is not the kingdom. I know that's going to sound hard for somebody, but the reality is, is it's an expression of the kingdom, but it's not the kingdom. Okay, the kingdom looks a lot different than we think. There's over 7,000 languages just on planet Earth right now. So there's a lot of different expressions of the church around the earth. It might be offensive to some of us and how we do things. You know, because everywhere I go, I got to tell people, I got to give them a disclaimer. Get it? I understand I got a hat on and a hooded sweatshirt. I'm not, I, I did look in the mirror today. This is as dressy as it gets for me. If you would have saw my Old Testament beard I had yesterday that I shaved off, I did you a favor. So it was a lot more intimidating with the beard. <laughs> And I had the chance and the privilege to preach at a at a black church conference yesterday. And I know it's weird it's weird to even say that, but the reality is is we still have segregated churches even in our city. This church from Detroit came to Toledo and had a conference and invited me, and I just got to watch the Lord use this this dude who is you know dressed like a street person with a beard, you know, just release the fire of the Holy Spirit or begin to break chains off of people's minds and begin to shatter cultural traditions and religious traditions and begin to release the truth of God. And that's what he's doing. I tell you, everything that can be shaken will be shaken, including what we think the church is. Hello. And, and, And that's good to clap. Praise God we're embracing it. But I tell you, it might be uncomfortable for some folks. It's going to be really uncomfortable for some folks, for some Pharisees, 
for some religious folks, it's going to be uncomfortable to get shaken by God. Getting a spanking don't feel good. But it produces good kids. <laughs> My heart is to see the city church look like the kingdom. Jesus never went and preached the good news of the church. He preached the good news of the kingdom wherever he went. The kingdom, the possibilities of what God can do. He didn't come and bring a semi-truck of rules and religious regulations to put on your back. He came and brought freedom. He came and brought possibilities of what God can do. What God can do in a city, what God can do in a region. This is my heart, man, to see a city changed. You know, so as Ohio goes, so goes the nation, I believe. As Toledo goes, so goes Ohio. Whoa, what if we're the ember that starts the fire, that starts the flame? Who's willing to answer the call is the question. Who's willing to lay down their life in the place of prayer, in the place of worship, for the sake of his kingdom? I tell you, every day we have a chance to lay down our lives for the sake of the gospel. We are living in a day where we're surrounded by people that are in bondage and they don't even know it. They are in oppression and they don't even know it. People that were created in the image of God with a hole in their heart that's only filled by one way, by Jesus, and they're longing to know him. And who is the one that's going to tell them? I tell you, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation that we would be those who God is appealing through us to mankind. Guys, this is it, man. This is what we were created for. We weren't created to just do church on Sunday morning. Listen, now, don't ever forsake coming together here. I mean, this is incredi- critically important. But I tell you, it doesn't end here. If anything, this is where we come and we magnify and glorify the Lord and we pour ourselves out as the body. Every joint supplies. Everybody here brings something to the table. But I tell you, this is not just where you get fed. How many go six days a week without eating? I don't think so. Don't go six days a week without eating and expect this to be where you come and get fed. Look, we do get fed with the word. I mean, you know what I'm saying. It's not a bad thing. But guys, God's looking for more than Sunday Christians. He's looking for more than parrot birds that just repeated a prayer somewhere back there. God's looking for more than just people who just want fire insurance. What God is doing is he's not raising up modern-day Pharisees. He's not raising up religion. He's raising up sons and daughters. I tell you, all of creation, all of these people, everybody is groaning in eager expectation for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Not the son of God. He's already been revealed. I tell you, they are groaning in eager expectation for you to know who you are. For the church to know who they are. It starts with us first, okay? It starts individually before it could ever be corporately, okay? It's got to be, be burst in the secret place when no one is watching. I tell you, that's what matters to God. 
I stood at that conference yesterday and I know how that culture is. And I said, God's not impressed by how much you invest in suits. He's impressed by how much you invest in prayer when no one's watching. He's impressed by how much you invest in obedience. He's impressed by how much you invest in faith. He's impressed by how much you invest in love. These are the things that move the heart of the Father. This is what the Lord is concerned with. He's not concerned with Bible verse memory or Facebook statuses or whatever, man. He is, he is impressed and concerned with us and what's going on in here. This is our Sunday best. It's got nothing to do with this. It's got everything to do with our posture of our heart before the Lord. And maybe someday God's going to let me preach this like nice sounding, happy sermons. I just believe right now that we are in a critical hour in the church where we need not the feather of the Spirit, but the sword of the Spirit. We don't need to be tickled right now, guys. We need to have our hearts pierced with the sword of the Spirit. Yeah. It's got the power. It's got the power to cut us and heal us with one swoop. That's what God's Word can do. And I tell you, everything else is dead anyways. Everything else is dead anyways. The grass withers, the flower fades, it all returns to dust, but the word of our God lives forever. This is the truth right here, man. This is what we need right now, and this is what the American church needs. And I, I'm just in a place of saying, okay, God, I, I want to embrace the full counsel of who you are. I want to embrace the goodness and the severity of God. I want to embrace the fear of the Lord. We need the fear of the Lord again in the American church, guys, and that's the, re- that's the real deal. We have lowered God down to our little buddy, our friend, a God who looks like a God made in our image. We have forgotten that he is the ancient of days, and I tell you, we're being, we've been given a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So let us be thankful and worship God with our lives, with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. You know, preaching the word of the Lord, and I just, I'm getting the revelation more and more that we, what we need in the American church, even more than a great sermon, is we need an encounter with the majesty and the awe of God again. We need a revelation and, a, and a, an encounter with the, with the majesty and the awe, like Isaiah in Isaiah 6, he sees the Lord high and lifted up in his transcendence and his power and his glory. You know, in heaven, surrounded by the elders, surrounded by the four living creatures, he sees the Lord in light and in glory and thunder and lightnings proceeding from the throne and, and, and all of the lights, the colors that we've never seen before. This isn't some version of God that our human minds can, can wrap around, that we can, we can lo- logic, you know, comes into the play. This is even greater than any vision Video, any movie, any video game, any special effect that Hollywood can do. We're talking about the throne of Almighty God. And he sees God high and lifted up. And he begins to think a lot less of himself and a lot more about God and who God is. And he begins to say, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Because he sees God for who he is. And he sees these fiery creatures, the seraphim. That means the ones that look like they're on fire. Why? Because they're in the presence of God. With six wings, they, the Bible says they, they have six wings. With, one, with two wings, they fly. But with two wings, they cover their eyes. 
with two wings that cover their feet. Why? They can never stop saying, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And that might sound like a boring, repetitive song to you, but I tell you, when you're in the presence of God, every time they go around the throne, they see a new facet of God. They see a new dimension of God. And they can't stop saying, whoa, holy, holy is the Lord. Whoa, God, you're blowing my mind again. You're fascinating me again. Our God is awesome. He is the best ever. He's the unchallenged sovereign of the universe. He holds every galaxy in his hands. One galaxy has a hundred billion stars and they say there's a hundred billion galaxies and he holds everyone under his power. Whoa. Yet he's intimately involved in your life and in my life. Like, look, he knows how many hairs are on your head. He has given you a unique eyeball a unique fingerprint, and your DNA is unique in over 7 billion people. How is that possible? If you gave me a Sharpie and a piece of paper the size of this parking lot, I couldn't doodle you 7 billion different anythings. But God is able to create 7 billion different unique individuals. I tell you, if the earth was a crime scene, he left his fingerprints everywhere. He's that good. He's that awesome. Let that revelation strike our heart for a minute. Like, we, are, we, we matter to God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. That should push you to a place of going, whoa, God, I've got reverence and awe, and even more than that, I've got the fear of the Lord. I tell you, the fear of the Lord is the very starting line for wisdom. Don't you think the American church needs to embrace the fear of the Lord again? What if... We came every Sunday here in the fear of the Lord expecting God, the God of Israel, Yahweh, to be here. We wouldn't have to be worked up to hear our favorite song and told to lift our hands. And here's here's my heart right here, guys. This is it. This is possible. Listen to what this says. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 5, it says, David and the whole house of Israel. David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all of their might before the Lord with songs and with harps, with lyres, with tambourines, with sistrums, and with cymbals. Did you hear what I'm saying today? It doesn't say David and one tribe of Israel were worshiping the Lord. It says David and the whole house of Israel were worshiping the Lord. I tell you, that's what I'm contending for, to see the whole house of Israel in Toledo worshiping God together. I want to see the Seagate Center packed with people worshiping with all of their might before the Lord. I tell you when the the citizens of Toledo look on the church and see the church like that, worshiping their God and knowing their God. And that's when God's presence is going to come and be enthroned. And that's when signs and wonders are going to really break forth. And that's when the river is going to flow is when God's church comes together. I tell you, God wants unity in the church. He wants unity in the brethren. Can you tell I'm passionate about that? I'm passionate about it. This means something to me. Everything is nothing to me other than God's heart and what he wants in his kingdom. I tell you, when I stand before the Lord, I don't want to stand before him and present my collection of cars or antiques or seashells or whatever it was you collected. I want to stand before him and hear, good job, well done. My good and faithful servant, you did it. You brought me children to my table. You advanced my kingdom. You laid down your life for the sake of the gospel. 
This is what it's all about, man. It's all about his kingdom advancing. What does that look like? More than anything, it looks like people coming into his kingdom. God saves sinners to save sinners, man. That's why he saved you. Not so you could be in some special club. Not so that I could be in some special club like I did something special. But God saved me that I would go and bring the good news of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom. And I want to find myself in a place of, in such reverence and awe and even terror of God that I, I hold him as God. And he is high above and high and lifted up in my life. And in that place of knowing who God is, I tell you, everything comes alive in my heart. What we need as the church, as the kingdom here in Toledo and in Oregon, this is the same region, you know what I'm saying? We need to get ourselves to a place where we're dreaming with God again. Guys, I'm not talking about dreaming when you're sleeping. Those kind of dreams are good. God speaks that way too. But I'm talking about visioneering. I'm talking about dreaming of what God can do, the possibilities. I tell you, dreaming is the art of thinking like God. It's that realm where everything is possible. You guys, do we understand who God is? There's no hopelessness in the heart of God for you. There's no hopelessness in the heart of God for your city. There's no hopelessness in the heart of God for your family. God is limitless in what he can do. And I tell you, your ability to dream is dependent on your revelation of God. Did you hear that? I know that's kind of deep. Your, your, your ability to dream is dependent, directly dependent on your revelation of God and who he is. As you see God big, your capacity to dream becomes big. And you can dream for a city. You can dream for a nation. You can dream for your family, whatever it is. Just take a, take a message for me. Guys, we've got to begin to have a revelation of God again. The fear of the Lord leads to life. The Bible says, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and the man who has it will abide in satisfaction and never be visited by evil. Whoa. The man or woman who has the fear of the Lord will live in satisfaction and never be visited by evil. Are we alive in here today? Doesn't that sound like a great promise? I want that promise from God. I want to abide in satisfaction and never be visited by evil. I tell you, it's time that individually and corporately we as the church embrace the fear of the Lord. It's the very beginning of wisdom. And I tell you, it's the very plumb line for the heart of every believer. It should be. And I tell you, that's what's missing in so many believers and in the American church. And I believe that that's why the American church is taking the horrendous liberties that it does. Because it doesn't have the fear of the Lord. We've let entertainment come in. Ravenhill said this, that entertainment in the church is the devil's substitute for joy. You know why? Because the presence of God is not there. Because what comes from us in his presence, there's fullness of joy. So when his presence isn't there and we don't have joy, we had to bring in entertainment, which is false joy from the devil. That's why it's important to create a culture here around his presence. We don't gather around a sermon. We gather around his presence. We don't gather around a song. We gather around his presence. 
even if there's awkward silence in here and there's no music. We're gathering around the presence of the Lord. And, and not just corporately, every day. Every day. Because what it boils down to is God is not looking, again, for Sunday Christians. He's looking for those who know him. Intimacy is the oil. We don't want to be like the, the, the foolish virgins who, when the bridegroom finally came, they were not prepared. They did not have oil. And he, tell, he says to us, he says to his people, I'm coming like a thief in the night. Like you're not going to know when. So just be dressed and ready for service. Always have oil in your lamps. Keep them burning. Don't get lazy. Don't fall asleep. Don't give in to the spirit of this age and be lulled to sleep. But be alive in the secret place when no one's watching and have oil in your lamps at all times. Everywhere I go, I tell this. I just remind the people, listen, think about David just as a young boy guarding the flock of sheep for his father when no one was watching all alone. And a lion comes. And how many know a lion's a terrifying animal? A lion comes to steal, to kill one of the sheep and David under the power of the Holy Spirit. And it had to be a brutal scene to see a man kill a lion. <laughs> Kills a lion. When no one's watching again, a bear comes to try to kill sheep. And under the power of the Holy Spirit, boom, he kills the lion. Guys, what I'm saying is if God can trust you to kill the lion and bear in private, he will let you kill the giant in public. But God is a God of order. What does that mean? It doesn't mean straight lines and straight chairs and straight ties and your dress is perfect. It means he's a God of order. Number one is first. Number two is second. Three comes after two and you can't have four till after three. Yeah, number one is that we would love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength and with all of our might. Number two is we would love our neighbor as yeah, some of us need to learn how to love ourselves too. I want to tell you that self-hatred's got to get broken off. We were made in the image of God. You were made in the image of God, and he didn't make a mistake. God doesn't have brain farts. He doesn't forget what he's doing. He didn't mess up when he made you. He didn't make you. You're not a defect. You're exactly the way he wanted you. You fit perfectly into the puzzle of his story just the way that you are. Yeah, because it's crept into even the church, to the family of believers, eating disorders. Self-hatred, depression, anxiety, these things that we weren't created to live with. I tell you, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. That's who we were created to be. And I want to tell you, it's the same for his, his church his church in the last days, and we are in the last days. It says no man will know the day nor the hour, but we will know the season. We will know the times. And we are in the season of the last days. And I tell you, his church is not going to be some shriveled up Pee Wee Herman church that's getting beat up when the devil comes back. Okay, we're going to be strong and mighty. And he is going to shake every di divorce denomination 
Because that's where denominations came from. They came from divorce. Somebody had a falling out in the past and broke up and then started their own thing and just kept going and going and going. He's even going to shake his church and he's going to have a glorious, pure and spotless bride. And his church is going to be glorious and shine in the last days. Because just because wickedness increases doesn't mean his kingdom decreases. Jesus is a way better leader than Satan is a deceiver. Let's take some hope and encouragement in that right now. That our God, the one who is the head of the church, who leads the angel armies of heaven, he is the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. This is who he is. And this is who we are because of him, and this is his kingdom. His kingdom is strong. His kingdom is creative. His kingdom doesn't lack anything. We're an expression of his kingdom. Guys, and we've been given such a beautiful gift. Man, we've been given the right to be called children of God. To those who believe on his name, to those who receive him, he gave the right to be called children of God. What a high privilege that we've been given to be called sons and daughters of God, that we've been taken out of the pit and put on the rock we've been brought out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I don't have a problem worshiping God and having to get stirred up to do it. All I think about is what he's brought me from. And it's hard to not run around here. I just don't do it because I'm a guest and I don't want to make a scene in here. We need to get, some of us need to get a little undignified. And to dance like David. It doesn't matter what the person on your right or left thinks. If you're in here and you're struggling with the religious spirit and you're judging people for how they worship, I would watch out for that. Michal, daughter of Saul, David's wife, as David is leading the procession of the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, and it was a bloody, gory scene, by the way, because every six steps they're sacrificing a, a cow. It's like a bloody mess. David's covered in blood, dancing, getting naked, before the Lord, and she judged him in her heart. She watched from a window, and the Bible says she made a judgment in her heart, and then she confronted David. Oh, got sarcastic with him. Look how dignified you were in front of the maid servants. He says this, he says, what I do is before the Lord, not before you or your father. And the Bible says this at the end of that story, that Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children until the day of her death. That's how God feels about you, judging someone else's worship. I know, I know, it's harsh. I know. <laughs> it's like a sword. Again, it's not like a feather. And I just think that this is where we're at in the American church. And I'm not saying here necessarily because I don't believe that you guys are all off here. But I just believe even in my own heart, this is what I'm doing is I'm just taking my life like a loaf of bread and breaking it off and giving you a piece. This is where I'm at with God. This is what he's speaking to me. Okay, I'm not up here and you're down there. I'm not on the, you know, the proverbial stage preaching down to you, telling you this is how you got to do it, and I got it perfected. No, we're in this thing together. You know, a real leader knows how to serve. A real leader walks in humility and meekness. You know, my heart is to go low before the Lord. You know, and I'm realizing more and more that true, authentic authority from God and, and from his kingdom, the only way that it is maintained and carried in the life of a believer is through meekness and humility. It's the only way. Because I tell you, the realm of pride is so easy to enter into, just like Lucifer. 
Satan wasn't Satan in the beginning, you guys. He's a beautiful angel who many believe led the music, the worship in heaven. But he began to see the Lord. And he had pride entered into his heart. He entered into the realm of pride. I want to be like the most high. I want that worship. When you're walking in power, when you're walking in the gifts of the Spirit, it's easy to get to a place where pride can enter in. When you preach with anointing and authority and people come tell you oh, how awesome you are and all that, or whatever it is that you do. Not everyone's a preacher, but the bottom line is we've all got gifts. And when we see that operating in us, it's easy to get to a place where we can be prideful. And I tell you, your gift actually does not validate you. God freely gives gifts in the beginning to everyone. He's no respecter of persons. He doesn't show any favoritism. And the Bible says that the gifts of God are without repentance. That means he doesn't give them and then change his mind. Even if you get off into sin, even if you get squirrely, he doesn't take them away. And so you can have the illusion as you're walking in the gifts and the power of God that you're right with God, but you actually, your heart is not right with God. And many are going to stand before me on that day, says the Lord, and say, God, did not we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do mighty miracles we did all these things we were operating in the gifts and he's going to say what i don't know you get away from me what a fearful thing and i never want to find myself in that place and so i want to urge the church and admonish the church wherever i go guys this is more than what we think this is more than our comfort zone it's more than our little thing and our little ministry and our name and our gift it's about god and his kingdom and his christ and it advancing and souls being saved and the enemy being pushed back in our city and our region and somebody's got to rise up in humility and in the fear of the lord and be who god has called them to be I swear I thought I was going to preach a lot nicer today. Every time I get invited somewhere where I've never been, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be really nice, Lord. Let me preach on love. <laughs> How many know that his love, sometimes it, it looks like judgment? How many know sometimes his love looks like an earthquake? That's hard. God is love. Yep, God is love. And the American church has made a whole lot about that. But I tell you, if you flip two pages before that, it says this God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in the darkness, we are a liar, and the truth is not in us. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him, and the blood of his son Jesus covers us, saves us. Yeah. That's the one I want. I don't want to just rely on the God is love God that I've made up in my mind as this one-sided God of love and that's all he is. And it's lowered him down to a God in my image and I don't have any fear of him and he's not going to judge. I mean, do we believe that God is going to judge? Because if we don't believe in judgment, there's no need for salvation. Oh, with justice, he judges and makes war. Jesus yeah, he came as a, a little baby the first time, but he's not coming as baby Jesus, Will Ferrell. He's coming as the one who wears a robe that's dipped in blood. 
And on his thigh is written a name called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He rides a white horse and behind him are the armies of heaven. And he, with justice, he judges and makes war. He will rule the nations with the scepter of his kingdom. I tell you, our God is a warrior. He is the Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Yeah. We need a revelation of that, Jesus. Not that God is love, God. That's all he is. God is love, but the foundation of his throne, guess what, is not love. And it's not mercy and grace. The foundation of his throne is justice and righteousness. And mercy and truth go before him. Yeah, this is God. We need to wake up in America. God is not like us, and he's not like we think, and he's not the one we've made up. He's the ancient of days. His name is Jealous. He is a God who is jealous for his people, who's jealous for us, who's jealous to see us holy, who's jealous to see us walk in righteousness and walk in love and walk in justice. This is God. It's not big baby Jesus. I'm glad he came as a baby the first time. Praise the Lord. But he never told us to celebrate his birth anyways. Sorry, Christmas fanatics. I mean, I like Christmas time too. (laughs) Celebrating his crucifixion and even more than that, his life. He's alive. Our God is alive. Our God is a breathing, consuming fire. Fires are alive. Fires breathe. God is fire. Fire. A river of fire comes from his throne and its wheels are all ablaze. That's what Daniel says. Our God is a God of fire. He is an altar of fire and he's called us to be altars of fire in a dark and depraved generation as we would shine like the stars as we hold forth the word of life. This is what God has called his people to be. I tell you, he's called us to shine like the stars, to hold forth the word of life, to be a burning and shining lamp in a generation, in a dark and depraved generation, in a dry and weary land, that we would be a fresh drink, that we would be a light. Oh, we are called to be a city on a hill. Oh, come on. I'll get Pentecostal in here today. <laughs> Oh, man. See, this is exciting to me, okay? Because I don't want to just be lulled to sleep and think everything's good and be covered in deception and find that in the last moments of my life, the feet coming down the hallway are not taking me to heaven. I want to know the truth. I want to be bathed in the truth. I want to live in the fear of the Lord. I want my heart to be stirred up before the Lord. I want to live in righteousness. Yeah, I want to walk holy before the Lord. I want to be upright before God. This is what matters. This is what matters. We live in a culture in a society where we're getting lied to all the time, where our, our flesh is constantly being fed. We need to be stirred up by the word of the Lord, by the spirit of the Lord, to be everything that God has called us to be, to walk in the light as he is in the light. Is this all right? Am I, have I? Man, God is good, isn't he? Look, he cares. This is actually God showing us some mercy today. We just need a wake-up call from time to time. You know, we just need to be shaken. And I know that, see, look, he's going to shake everything that can be shaken. And judgment starts where? Yeah. And so he's going to even shake this divorce-ridden church. 
that's all broken and weak and anemic and powerless right now. Because in general terms, the church is powerless, and that's not the church in the last days. God's going to do something. He's going to do it suddenly, I believe. And it's time that we, look, guys, we're either going to do it one of two ways. We're going to do it willingly, or we're going to do it with him spanking us. Look, he's going to have his way, and he's going to prepare his people for real. His church is going to be what his church is going to be, and it's going to be glorious and strong and powerful. And it's going to happen one of two ways. We're either going to say, yes, God, let's do this. We submit ourselves to you in the fear of the Lord. Make us what you want, or it's going to come with God shaking us down, man. And he's going to shake down our stuff and our ideas and our judgments and our preconceived notions and our religious traditions and our mindsets that are not right with him. Our pride. Yeah. You know, guess what? There are people that God opposes. Yep. God opposes the proud. He stands with his face against the proud, it says. I want to say that with some authority because this is not a joke. He opposes the proud. And don't you think you don't have pride? We all do. Mike Bickle, the leader of the House of Prayer, an international house of prayer, a mighty movement, he said this about himself. He says, I have buckets of pride. They have to be dealt with every day. Look, deception is deception because you don't know you're deceived. It's not because you know you're deceived. If anyone knew that, they wouldn't be deceived. It's like I'm Dr. Seuss up here and giving you some kind of riddle. <laughs> Look, the mercy of God is good. His mercies are new every morning. And guys, we got to get out of this place of constantly being blown and tossed by the wind and by every wave and every wind of doctrine and beaten up by the enemy. Let me tell you, believer, right now, the devil can only do to the believer what the believer lets him do. We've got to, we've, what we've done is we've made our God small and the devil real big. The devil is not omnipresent. Lucifer, Satan is not omnipresent. God is. He's not all-powerful. He's got like two tricks in his little tool bag, and that's called lies and deceit. Yeah, he's a crafty, ancient serpent, that's for sure. We ought not to just downplay that. He's a crafty, ancient serpent. He's been here for a long time. He knows what he's doing but he's not all-powerful and he's not omnipresent. He can't read your mind. That's why it's power of life and death and the tip of the tongue is critically important. Even what you speak over yourself because words create, they blaze a trail. When you speak things into existence, they happen. That's why it's so important what you guys are even doing today with the Oregon Fest because literally what you're doing is the heart of God. Proverbs 11, 11, and one of my life scriptures, one of my favorite verses, it says this, that through the blessing of the upright, which is the righteous, through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But through the mouth of the wicked, it's destroyed. Guys, we have the power of life and death on the tip of our tongue, over our lives, over our families, over our church, over our city, over our nation, over lost people. Oh, rather than judge, oh, so-and-so, did you hear what they're doing? He's a drug addict or whatever. Guys, begin to release the possibilities of the kingdom. God has the ability to see you because he's outside of space and time. He can see you, not what you are and what you're struggling with, but what you're becoming, okay? And we've been given that same ministry. He says, if you forgive their sins, they'll be forgiven. 
I'm not talking about a sin that leads to death, but that's in the word of God. We have got the ability to bring the kingdom and release it. I tell you, the kingdom is not here or there. The Bible says the kingdom of God is within you and you can release it. That's what we're called to do in this city. We're not called to change the culture by being culturally relevant and becoming like the culture. We aren't called to be culturally relevant. We are called to change the culture by releasing the kingdom of God wherever we go. Oh, it's fiery in here today. Praise God. (laughs) Man, and I consider it a privilege to stand before you guys and before the Lord. I am not anything special. What God is doing and what he is going to do, because the time is here and is still coming, he's going to do it with all the generations. And it doesn't matter how old you are, and it doesn't matter how young you are. God can use you to do something great. All he is requiring is you have a yes in your spirit. All you got to do is say yes. And what he's doing is not raising up a young generation to come in and take over. Older people, I want to honor you right now. What he's doing is not we're coming in and putting you out to pasture. We're coming in and bowing in the fear of the Lord, submitting and saying, let's converge and run together to take a city. Let's converge and run together to take a nation. This is what's got to happen in this church and in the church all over the world is a convergence of the generations to run together. I tell you, one can be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a cord with three strands is not quickly broken. I want to be part of his kingdom, not part of my own little imagination church. Serving a God of my imagination. I want to serve the God of the Bible and be part of his kingdom. And I tell you what it's coming down to is God's word is the final word. We either believe what this Bible says or we don't. And that's the truth, you guys. That's what's under attack right now. And heaven forbid I talk about this, but I'm talking about even in the face of the homosexual agenda. That's what's really happening is God's word and the authority of God's word is under attack. And it's actually the lie of the ancient serpent in the Garden of Eden that says to Adam and Eve, but did God really say that? Did God really say that? Hath God said? Is that the King James Version? I think it is. Did he really say that? That's what's under attack. And I want to tell you, I'm not against homosexual people or people that struggle with same-sex attraction, because I understand that it is not the people, it's the spirit behind it, okay? We've got to understand and discern and be able to separate that, guys, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and and wickedness in high places. That's what's really going on. But I tell you, it's the spirit of Antichrist behind it, fueling it, the spirit of this age that is, is, is questioning everything, when it comes to God and his kingdom, his authority and his word. That's what this boils down to. And I tell you, the church of Jesus Christ, every one of us young and old in this room, we're going to have to make up our mind to, to resist the lie of the devil and to stand on what God's word says, especially in this day that we're in right now and what's coming as darkness increases. Guys, and perilous days are here. We are going to have to be those who've made up our mind, even in the face of great persecution and even death, to stand for God's word and to not be moved because it's God's word that's the final authority. God's word is truth. Jesus prayed to the Father, thy word is truth. It is your word that is the truth. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We're going to have to stand for God's word, guys. This is it. This is what it's coming down to. 
the word of the Lord. I tell you, the Bible says the small, the small prophet Malachi, he prophesies this about the last days. He says, then those who feared the Lord were talking. And the Lord, he listened and he heard. And a scroll of remembrance was written in his name concerning those who feared the Lord. And God says, once again, just like in Exodus with the people of Israel in the land of Goshen, I am going to make a distinction between the righteous and the wicked, those who serve the Lord and those who do not. And it's the fear of the Lord that's going to be the separating, dividing factor here. Those who feared the Lord were talking with one another and the Lord listened and he heard from on high. And he wrote a scroll of remembrance in his own name concerning the people of God all over the earth that fear God. I tell you, God does not delight in the legs of a horse or the strength of a man, but the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Let's stand. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Uh, let's just let's focus our hearts just before the Lord for a minute. And I just want to pray over you and, and just ask the Lord that he would would raise us up and would seal this word on our hearts. And I, and I pray that you receive the word of the Lord. Did this bless you today? Guys, I don't ever want to come somewhere and dishonor the house and, and, and come ac- across aggressive, but I, I, we got to understand passion is good, man. And this is a fire that's burning in me. It's like fire shut up in my bones. And that's what this, this is what that looks like. I love you guys. I love the Lord. I love his presence. I bless this house right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you. Come on, let's just lift holy hands to the Lord all across the room. Let's just close our eyes and focus right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to be those who fear you, who fear your name, who revere you from the rising of the sun to the going down of the sun. We want to be those who revere the name of the Lord. So we say, blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ right now. Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Oregon and Toledo and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Oh, Lord, God, we want to be those who advance your kingdom. We want to see a mighty harvest of souls, Lord, in the name of Jesus in the last days. God, we want to be those who rise up and be strong and mighty in the Lord and in the power of His might. Oh, Lord, who put on the full armor of God, who are not taken by the devil's schemes, who do not bow their knee to the spirit of this age. Oh, Lord, Your Word says that those who know You will firmly resist the enemy and do great exploits in Your name. Oh, Lord, raise up sons and daughters even now, God. Raise up an ecclesia. I ask You, raise up the fivefold ministry in this church. Oh Lord, I bless Carlos. I bless Laura. I bless the leadership of this place. And everyone here, oh Lord, I ask you, Lord, let this place be an altar of fire that burns before you, oh Lord, day and night. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let many come to know you. Let the neighborhood around this place know that the God of Israel is in this place. Oh Lord, that the people of the Lord are here. That the fear of the Lord would even grip the people like the early church, oh Lord, and that they would fear the church and revere the people of God. Let signs and wonders come and the river of life come out of this place in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. The fear of the Lord. Amen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What does this mean the fear of the Lord? To be live in awe of God. To obey his word. Amen. To follow his steps. To know that God is life. That he is life. And outside of him there is no life. 
that he is our breath, amen, to fear the Lord. Maybe you heard this word and your heart's shaking. You know that you need to respond to the Lord and you're saying, God, I need to fear the Lord in my life. You realize that you're in that complacent state. You need prayer. You're saying, I need this joy of his presence, fear of the Lord in my life. Or you're just here and you're saying, you know what, Pastor, I need to, I need to devote myself. Uh, I, you, listen, you just heard a message from a devoted man. Very much John the Baptist-like message. Repent. Be, turn to the Lord. Amen. The axis at the tree of every... It, the axis at the root of every tree that's barren. Amen. We need to hear those messages that say, hey, God is looking. He's searching for a people who are hungry, who are desperate. He's, he's a just God, a righteous God. And you're here today and you're saying, I want to live my life devoted. I want this fire in me, this fire that I see this young man preach with. I want this fire in me. That's you to come to the altar. Let's pray. Let's pray. If that's you, you know you need prayer. You need to make a declaration of devotion to God. Somebody heard the word that, that God is not just love. He is light. That spoke to you. You know, God's saying that he wants your whole life in his light. Today, would you respond? Respond to the Lord. Respond to him. It says, he draws near to those who draw near to him. You see that condition? He draws near to those oh, who draw near to Him. You draw near to Him at this altar. I believe that God will meet mm, you. I believe yes. that God will strengthen you. I believe that God would fill you. I believe it. Amen. I believe it. The altars are open. Would you, would you come to the altar? We want to pray with you. We want to pray with you this, this morning. I want my life to be a fire ablaze until the moment I die. I want my every waking moment and every second and every blink to be filled with the glory of God. I want to live my life fully devoted. And when I and my, my, my flame is out, let it be because I am gone to be with the Lord. But let all that I am be consumed in Him. If that's you, you need prayer today. Would you come to the altar? Amen. Brother Joe, would you help me pray? And the altar workers, would you come up and help me pray for those who are here at the altar? Jesus. 